We're back on Let's Get To You, but we're starting this just a little differently. Usually we've got the opening credits. We get a little take me out to the ball game and and that's all coming. Think of this like a Bond film and this is the cold open. So I've been celebrating the Astros clinching a playoff berth since, well, it happened. And look, I understand that they backed into the playoffs and I understand that they're basically 500 and in any other year, uh, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. Well, any other year wouldn't have been 60 games. Any other year, you might not have lost all your team to injury. And any other year, we might not be fighting a global pandemic. So I'm going to celebrate the hell out of this. And I've been celebrating so much, in fact, that I'm reduced to my Astros coffee cup because I took a took a nap on the couch and my spouse washed my Astros whiskey glass. Pretty sneaky, sis. But um, when I was watching the Astros broadcast, they pointed out, uh, so we're recording this again, Saturday, uh, September 26th, I think it is. Uh, Longhorns are on. OU has just lost. And in fact, it is 3.33 p.m. And OU does, in fact, still suck on Saturday, September 26th. But um, they pointed on the broadcast that... um, on this date, or that date, the 25th of September, 1997, the Astros clinched the first of three straight Central Division titles in the National League. And then a flood of memories came back. And it's why I'm actually wearing the hat from that look. I was in Bosnia. I was deployed, and we were all gathered. And I got to think it was a Yankee game, because, of course, on Armed Forces Network, And then they cut away for a few innings to watch the end of the Astros game to get them to clinch. And they won 100 games. And I think Randy Johnson was on the hill. All of this is – all this feels right. I don't know. But it is – it was just so cool to kind of go back there and be transported back to something that I don't remember happening. Obviously, there was a lot going on at that time in my life. But it was really cool to, again, have a a baseball-related memory lane trip. Um, I am going to be drinking something very special. And this is Texas Ranger blended whiskey. It is one of my favorite whiskeys. And, and longtime devotees of the show are like, oh, you said Texas Ranger. I did. Uh, those of you who don't know, uh, we don't refer to the Texas Rangers, the baseball club on this show. We refer to them as the Arlington Rangers. They are not fit to have the name Texas on their uniform. And uh, But this is one of the only times, this and if I'm ever being chased by the law enforcement agency, the Texas Rangers, uh, but this is a blended whiskey and I'm drinking this in honor of a friend of the show and one of my best friends on the planet, Jason Tossavin. He is a filmmaker, screenwriter, and his script advanced to the semifinals of the Austin Film Festival. This is a toast to him. And what's really cool about that festival is um, it's one of those festivals that is in completely elite to crack the semifinals. There's something like 13,000 scripts. They take in the hundreds to get to the semifinals, maybe even less than 100. Uh, never made it that far. So, so proud of him. So excited. And I think we just got to celebrate uh, the people in our lives that do well. And this is my first opportunity to do that publicly. And so we are going to drink a toast to him. And we're going to do it out of, out of we're going to do it all classy like out of my breathing orange fire Astros mug.
And now, the opening credits. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. Lie, don't care if I ever get back. Cause it's rude, good rude for the whole team. They don't wait, it's a shame. Cause it's one, two, three strikes, you're right at the Welcome to Let's Get Two, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. And welcome back to the actual opening of Let's Get Two. I am your host, James Christopher. This episode, as you can already tell, is going to probably be a little bit all over the place. First of all, um, because it's the postseason and at, at the most, I have two Astros games left and wasn't able to attend any Astros games, I'm going to try to wear as much Astros stuff throughout this episode. So each segment, I'm going to have a costume change. I'm like the Reba McIntyre of um, independent baseball shows that mostly focus on minor league baseball, but really love all forms of baseball hosts ever. I do want to point out what I'm wearing. Um, so I've got the Mitchell and Ness satin 60 style Astros bullpen jacket. It's honestly um, one of my favorite items of clothing ever. Might be the most expensive item of clothing I own. But before we dive into the show, and it's going to be all MLB playoff talk today. We've got so many people coming on. Andrew Nelson and I are going to spell out our bet a little bit later. Andy will be here for all you Astros fans to do Continue doing what I think he's the best at. I think he's the best person breaking down Astro stuff um, out there, especially the one who's like doing a regular podcast. Scott's going to be here to look back at the season, the good guys from before the pitcher here to look at the playoffs. But I want to do a shout out to at Base on Twitter. I will link her again, her profile down here. But she tweeted, tweeted something this morning that really struck me and it goes back to arguments I'm having with other people that are complaining about, oh, how short the season was and then the number of playoff teams and how it's not really legitimate and how, you know, everybody gets a trophy, blah, 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 blah. The thing that they're forgetting and the thing she nailed, she really hit the nail on the head with with her tweet talking about this actually all might count more. Let's take away the fact that 16 fan bases for the next two days at least. Well, literally the next three. We're dropping this Monday night, and, and, the, and the earliest a team can be eliminated is Wednesday. They, they can think about something other than COVID. They can focus on their baseball team still having a chance. And, you know, the thing about playoff baseball is it is so unlike actual regular season, full season baseball that, yeah, any team's got a shot. So every team that has a that that every fan base that has a team still in the fight has a real chance to um, have some positivity and forget about forget about the Rona and the layoffs and all that stuff. But beyond that, yes, sixteen teams out of thirty making the playoffs seems excessive. It's a one hundred and sixty-two game season. But I'm going to point to two big reasons why 
um, I think it's perfect and why it does matter. And if you win the World Series, it matters. One, usually we play 162 regular season games. The um, This year we played 60. We'll look at uh, Miss Still Your Bases Yankees, my Houston Astros. Okay, um, I think there's about three. I think the Yankees maybe were five games better than the than the Astros. Um, the Astros finished where right now were 28 and 32. If they're 28 and 32 and it's May, are they counted out of anything? When you look at Oakland losing Matt Chapman and some of their starting pitching not pitching up to, to form and some of the Astros rookie pitchers all of a sudden starting to look pretty lights out and the idea that the offense is starting to get going as the season ended. Does anybody think that team is out of the division race? No. That's the whole point of baseball. The whole point of baseball is that you rise and fall. Miss still your bases Yankees. Haven't been have been as I don't know. We, I was having a competition with uh, with my Yankee buddy, the hitter sports. Uh, well, competition. We were joking around earlier in the season. I don't know who's had more injuries, but those two have led the league. So does anybody not think that that Yankee team, when fully healthy, can't overcome the Rays? Does anybody think that the Astros can't overcome Oakland when they play 19 games and it's split home and home and away instead of instead of playing 10 games, eight of them in Oakland? in which the home team pretty much won every game. Baseball is built to be a marathon. The only way to do the playoffs is to expand them, to take some of that, some teams start slow, some teams start fa- uh, finish fast, and you need to reward and, and try to find your champion that way. The other thing I would say, too, is... Yeah, they only played 60 games, but they played 60 of the most stressful games in baseball history. Beyond the fact that you've already essentially jumped into some form of a pennant race and you are also dealing with unbelievable travel conditions when you travel, that you're having to roll up to the ballpark, really unsure if you're going to play that day or not because there might have been an outbreak. When you're dealing with injuries that you probably would not have had if you didn't start if you didn't start a spring training, stop it, then start again. So it's one thing to look at the playoffs as being different, but I think if we're not looking at the season being different as well, then we're being intellectually dishonest. And I think that's just, uh, it's so lazy to be the old man yelling people to get off their yard. You know, if you don't like it, don't watch. Uh, that's what I would say. I'm going to watch. I'm as interested as, as anything. I'm as interested in, and, um, you know, teams like Tampa and Oakland who have a shot when when they hadn't had one before. I'm as inter- interested to see, will the Astros respond and, and bounce back? And I'm interested to see how are the Yankees going to do having not met their seeding expectations through, in many ways, no fault of their own. So look, to me, it's very compelling. It's very exciting. And yeah, you know what? If you win the World Series, you won the World Series. I don't believe in Asterix. <laughs> I also don't believe in that douchebag at Asterix tour. Uh, probably the one guy on Twitter, I'd really punch in the face, but this is not my therapy session about him. So no, you know what? Um, if you're old and grumpy, you don't have to watch. I, for one, am excited. Um... 
I, for one, am am ready to tune in and ready to get this thing going. So, uh, so we got a fun episode today, all MLB playoffs. So stay with us. Holler and a swaller, a chug of ballpark brew. Presented by the Hitter Sports. And we are back here on Holler and a Swaller, and we are going to be diving into, you know, it's almost October, baseball playoffs are coming. So we're going to be diving into my favorite Oktoberfest beer from Shiner Bach, from the Shiner Brewery down there in Texas, uh, down there in Shiner, Texas. And I know some of my friends that are going to get mentioned in this segment have been to Texas for our film festival, have drank more than their share of Shiner Bach. But uh, if they haven't had the Oktoberfest, I honestly think it's the best one. A lot of Texans like the St. Arnold's one. A lot of people like the, what is the one from Boston? Your cousin from Boston. Don't need to worry about Boston because you're not in the playoffs. And I know that my Yankee friends are liking that. But, you know, I talk a lot about it on this show. And I remember going back to the day before Major League Baseball season where that was in many ways the best day on the calendar because it was nothing but possibility. And while we're recording this segment On Sunday, as soon as the last Major League Baseball game ended, the Reds beat the Twins. We um, put this segment together because we want to drop this episode the morning of the playoffs. And in some ways, for as much as it sucked how we got here, that we ended up with a 16-team playoff because of the COVID virus and what all of that means, it's still nothing but possibility for those 16 teams, anybody can get hot now. And because of the situation with COVID, I think it's really been a, a real level. It's made a real level playing field amongst all of the major league teams. So um, I'm excited to, to kind of celebrate that with some of our favorite fans who are going to get some shout outs. And if you got one already, who cares? You're getting one again. But one of the things that I have really been trying to preach um maybe not preach is the wrong word, but really explain the way I fan and how the way I fan is different. So um, I always looked at baseball a little bit differently than football. Uh, There's really only one baseball team I just cannot stand, and that is the Arlington Rangers, who are also not going to be in the playoffs. But baseball, to me, it's such a hard sport, such a hard game, that I just celebrate the game, and I celebrate fans of the game, and I can be pretty swayed pretty easily to root for other teams, you know, should their interest not conflict with mine. And I saw one of my best friends, someone you've heard on these air before, uh, Gary Warren, who's a big Cardinals fan, complaining about the fact that everybody got in the playoffs this year. And so it got me thinking, how can I bring a smile to Gary's heart? And I figured it out. No, this is not the part of the show where I get naked. I'm going to do this segment in my birds on a bat Cardinals jersey. Scott gave it to me, but I'm doing it for Gary because he needs to turn that frown upside down. And then I got to thinking, you know, Gary and I are very close. Gary's uh, a producer in reality television. You have seen his work, I promise. And I thought, but my other friend is a big baseball fan, also in the film business, Mike Donis. And I was like, how can I celebrate him? Toronto native, Blue Jay fan. And for all my friends out there, I'm wearing the Star Wars Knight 
Blue Jays cap that he got me in a, shall we say, ill-begotten way. But no, we're going to go through the through these playoff teams. I'm excited for all of their fan bases. I'm excited for my friends and family who get to have a little bit of playoff baseball, get to feel a little bit normal. Um, and I was thinking about this the other night when I was talking to a very dear friend of mine, Leah Sparza, who is a Texas Tech fan. She's a Texas Tech grad. And it was a, it was a knockout, dragout fight. Uh, the Horns won in overtime. And we both noted that the best part about it was we didn't think about COVID for about four hours. And so I'm hoping that that can be everyone else's reality as we dive into these playoffs. And so I am going to start with our first holler and a swaller to the Schaefer's, Andy Schaefer, who's been on the show, Indians fan. Congrats on the playoffs. Holler and a swaller, baby. To the Oakland Athletics, we've toasted him before. Congrats again on winning the division. Stu Clary and our buddy 10 Stadiums 10 Days. Holler and a Swaller. How about this? How about the namesake of the Holler and a Swaller segment presented by the Hitter Sports? Uh, Toast to the Yankees. We're also going to shout this out to Emily Nyman. Listen to her podcast as you go through these playoffs. Miss Steal Your Base, Spencer the Hat Guy. I know I toasted you guys before, but can we really get toasted more than than once? I think we can. Holler and a Swaller. (sighs) To all my fellow Astros fans out there, too many to name. Actually, I'll give that one to my dad. He was probably as equally irritated about all of these um, extra playoff teams. The San Diego Padres, we're going to do a holler and a swaller to Friars on the Farm podcast. Listen to them and Megan Ellis, our Entrepreneur of the Year. The Braves. Listen, you guys, if you're not listening to Mansplain Baseball, start doing it now. Listen to their show. All three of those ladies on there know their stuff, and they are, they're not going to take mansplaining from no one. So rock and roll. The Twins, I begrudgingly toast you, Andrew Nelson. We are going to have... Our bet, and he's going to be on the show a little later on to explain exactly what we are betting. Got to dose, toast the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have been in the playoffs for 4,000 years straight. Uh, Cameron Doherty, my cowboy brother, who this team's going to kill both of us before these playoffs are over. And also to Alex Euclid. Now, Alex, um, he's going to be starting his own podcast later. We will make sure you know where to find it. But and I don't know if he wants this public, uh, but I don't care. Uh, he's my... Um, it's my show. So when I told the story way back about the um, the thing that happened to my grandson where he got picked on, there was a Dodgers fan who reached out to me and felt terrible for him, had Astros gear and wanted it sent to him, and it was Alex. And so uh, I can't ever tell you what that meant for me as far as feeling like, um, I don't know, like feeling like the world is maybe okay. And so for that uh, you, I will always be in your debt. Holler and a swaller to the Reds for making the playoffs. Uh, and I'm going to send a shout out to Allison West, a toast to her. I don't know if she's a Reds fan, but she runs the Independent Film Festival in Cincinnati. Holler and a swaller goes out to Daryl Mitchell, 
the only guy I know who's a Marlins fan. We should be really worried about the Marlins because, listen, I think every time they go to the playoffs, they win the World Series. So do we just wrap this puppy up? That would be 2020. One of the most COVID infection rates also wins the World Series. Holler and a swallow the Chicago Cubs. So many family members. Uh, but I'm going to send this out to filmmaker Sean Patrick Leonard, who you've heard on the show and will get on the show during the playoff run. And I'm going to send it out to my favorite cousin, Bridget Walsh, and her beau, a big Cubs fan. She took me to my first game at Wrigley. Uh, Billy Wagner shut it down. I re- Fond, fond memories. Holler and swaller. You might notice as the segment goes, I'm getting harder to remember when I've hollered and when I've swallowed. The Brewers, a holler and a swaller to my cousin Aaron, her husband Nick. Um, Aaron's, again, one of my favorite cousins. Brendan's mom, awkwardly enough, Bridget's sister, who I just said was my favorite cousin. But listen, you guys are like 1A and 1B. Boy, that, that's a family divided come playoff time. But uh, the Brewers and I and, and Astros share the anonymous honor of being the only teams with losing records to make the playoffs. But I think records in this situation goes out the window a little bit, which is why there are 16 teams. Obviously, the Cardinals, Scott and Gary. You know what? Still don't know any Rays fans, but I'm going to try to make a fan, make a friend on Twitter. That's my, my thing. So holler and a swaller. And then finally, a holler and a swaller to someone I'm texting with right now as the Cowboys don't play their best game, Brendan Johnson, and to my cousin Colleen, and to my Aunt Jean. Um, They are all big White Sox fans up there. So this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to really um, dive into having some fun. And I think the best part, too, about the wild card round being three uh, three games, it's not going to just end. Like it's it's going to be something we can sink our teeth into. And I think from a fan perspective, for the runtime of those games, worry about matchups and bullpens and complaining about managers. And Astros fans have a lot to complain about. So do that. Not worry about COVID. And again, that's why we're dropping this Monday night, Tuesday morning. We want you to be able to celebrate and for a second forget about the ultimate shit show that 2020 has turned into. This just in. News from Minor League Baseball. So we are jumping on to some breaking news. We have breaking news. It is the Houston Astros versus the fighting Andrew Nelsons in the first round. Uh, Andrew, um, first of all, what are your thoughts of this matchup? Or is it weird because we've not had anything to really compare this to yet? Yeah, it, it is kind of weird. Um I mean, the whole season just been weird and um, it, it's really hard to frame things in terms of how teams are actually doing. Cause a lot of this season, even though, so the twins finished tied for the second best record in the American league and it doesn't feel that way. Right. <laughs> necessarily. So they, they finished with 36 wins, which in the context of the 60 game season is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I, think that's equivalent to like 95 wins maybe more than that Mm -hmm. um somewhere in that territory 95 to 98 something like that um so three three teams in that division making the playoffs like right yeah yeah. it's it's been a competitive division um they've faced stiff competition uh cleveland's pitching has obviously been top notch even though their offense has been abysmal um the white Sox have been a little bit more towards the other end where they've had great offense and, and shaky pitching. 
although their pitching has occasionally been really good too. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel good about the tw- where the Twins have ended up, and I feel like they're in pretty good shape probably. Um, we just had Josh Donaldson and, um, and Byron Buxton go out with injuries. <laughs> so uh, that's not ideal. Um, right. Throughout the season, our win probability has been much higher with either or both of those guys playing. Um, so, yeah, and I think 538 has it like a toss up right now. I think yeah. it's 5347 in the favor of the Twins for 538 right. probability. And, yeah. And the Astros aren't the team they've been in recent years, but I think they've been on the upswing recently. Well, that was what I was going to ask you. So, cause I have my impression. So like, I was like, so I, I, I wanted this to happen just because of our friendship. And I think yeah. there's, there's other reasons too. Like I think one, sure. uh, I think it's going to take some of the pressure off me as a fan. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about A's fans have been really obnoxious. Right. Um, or Yankees fans. Yeah. Although I yeah. mean, you've got, You've got your Yankees friends, so that I've got my Yankees friends. Them. But I think like like Liam Hendricks is like, yeah, we they he he said in the media he wanted to play the Astros for vengeance, and I was like, in 2017, you finished 20 games behind the Astros. What yeah, you, you're talking about vengeance. You only played yeah. them 19 times, so I don't know what to tell you. But no, um, and then and I was like, you know, and traditionally the Astros have hit well in mm-hmm. in Target Field. And then my wife pointed out that wasn't Target Field where it was so cold that they all looked like turtles playing in the infield. And I was like, oh my God, that's right. So, um, but from your perspective, like what, like, are you afraid the real, the, the, the Astros will show up or do you feel confident because they've not shown up yet? Uh, I'm definitely not. Uh, I mean, just as a Minnesota t- sports fan in general, um, try not to let myself feel overconfident (laughs) about anything ever. (laughs) Um, I, I think it's going to be a a good competitive series. Um, And I think it's going to be, I I think unless the Astros just implode, they're, they're a dangerous team that hasn't changed. They don't, they don't have Justin Verlander and they're not maybe up to the um, quite up to par um, compared to where they've been the last few years, but there's still, you know, it's only a three-game pl- uh, series. Like, they only got to win two games. Yeah. Uh, they got to come up here and do it. And the Twins have the best home record this year uh, by – it's a huge split. Um, so oh, is that right? I didn't know that. See, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they do have home advantage. Um, there's uh-huh. been a lot of talk about, like, well, there isn't really home field advantage this year. But if you look at the stats, uh, overall team um, – the home teams won about 55% of the time this year. And that's pretty on, on par for baseball, uh, major league baseball. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say anybody who said that, I think the whole idea of how you have to behave while quarantined is mm-hmm. enough to say that. Now I, are they putting, now are the twins going to be like, I've, I had read that they were, I don't know if they did this. Are they putting everybody in bubbles in hotels for these games, whether you're, whether you're the home team or not? I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, okay. My impression was that wasn't the case because I'd heard some discussion about, well, the home team's going to have, you know, they're not going to have to uh, go yeah. through travel and quarantine and they're going to have their own facilities and and theoretically be a lot more comfortable than the visiting teams are. And I think there is really something to that. I do too. Um, okay, so we have um, we have a bet 
going. You want to first of all, here's here's what our side bet should be. It's Minnesota in Houston. Mm-hmm. I'm betting we have 11 a.m. starts for all three games. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it outside the realm of possibility. <laughs> uh, do you want to explain what our bet's going to be? So our bet is uh, whoever uh, loses the series gets a jersey of the opposing team that they're going to have to wear on an on an episode of the podcast. I love it. I've picked mine out. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for a lot of reasons. I'm excited, one, I'm sure you are, too, to see a different team. Like, just to see oh, yeah, for sure. another uniform. But I think it's going to be fun, you and I getting to go back and forth with this. Yeah, it'll be a blast. And I'm kind of – we almost ended up playing the Indians or the White Sox for our first series, and we've been playing those guys all season. Yeah. And granted, we've done decently or well against both of them, but uh, yeah, it'll be good to see another team for sure. All right, man. Well, we'll talk. We'll circle back in a couple of days and see how this shakes out. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Good luck. The Big League Chew, and I on the majors. Brought to you by Zoomer Sport. We are back here on the Big League Chew with Scott McIntyre. And Scott, you know, I'm I'm glad that you came to want to do the segment you wanted to do. And for everybody else, this might be the earliest you pitched the segment. I think you pitched it a, a week ago. About what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. About what you want to talk about? And I think it's great because I think it's going to go in the, go a little bit to help answer why this year we needed more teams in the playoffs and why it wasn't you shouldn't have just gone with the regular number because so so let's dive into what you wanted to talk about on big league two today well yeah i mean it's it's a little bit i don't want to get too far into the game behind the game but really day-to-day for baseball players this this year has been completely opposite of anything that has that, that has happened in, in decades upon decades, probably prior to the fifties or the forties, even, I mean, even if you look back at pride of the Yankee movies, right, these guys are, they have camaraderie in the locker room. They're going out to take batting practice and fielding practice and doing all the regular things. So it is possible that it's unprecedented as to what has had to happen this year in major league baseball. But the, um, the bottom line is that it's, it's not your everyday at the baseball game. These guys are accustomed to, to showing up and going to get treatment and getting their arms loose and getting to do this, that, and the other. And, and that doesn't exist, but this year you're, you're not getting that right. Especially if you're on the road. So you're, you're showing up at the park, you're getting off the bus, dressing on your way into the field. Now there's batting cages maybe set up in the concourse, right? So you can, you can take some BP into, into a cage up where, you know, typically aunt auntie Anne's pretzel stand, would be, but so you're, you're getting your cuts in there in a cage. It's nothing like the real field. And then you're coming out and you're playing the game. So if you're a guy like Christian Yelich, who's been in a season long slump, right? Right. He's hitting like, he's hitting 210 at most. This is a guy that was triple crown threat most years. Um, How do you break out of that slump? How do you get to see the, how do you get the extra pitches after the game? How do you get them before the game? You got to just, you know, cross your fingers and, and I, I don't know, plug in your, your PlayStation and focus in a little bit more. And what did my swing look like? I don't know how you break out of slumps, how, how you, um, how you get better over the course of a season. If you're not allowed to practice, 
you know, and furthermore, Jim, these guys are used to getting training, getting treatment. Now we go back to talking about the rash of injuries we've seen this year. So I'm, I'm used to getting the rub down before the game and then going out and, and getting my cuts, throwing the ball, doing long toss, uh, getting fielding practice, whatnot. Um, you, you don't get that now, you, 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 especially on the road. Your treatment is, um, I, I don't know, stretching out a little extra in the hotel room, doing a little turn here, a little turn there. Um, having the wife, you know, at back of the house, like, hey, could you rub this out of my, my shoulder, please? Astros fans, hopefully, sh- that, though, if it's Carlos Correa because then he's out for a month. Right. I mean, that's the other thing. And and what happens if she's upset with him? You know, if she's upset with him and either A, not going to rub him or B, going to Oh, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt, Carlos? Uh, so, I mean, yeah. These are the types of things that, that we haven't been accustomed to that I think it played a huge hand in the game. Guys have not come out of slumps. Guys have gotten injured more often. Um, it makes it very, very difficult. Very if difficult you, to, if to get good when you can't practice. At- if you do look at Yelich is in a slump, um, I know Altuve slump will be attributed to a lack of re- receptacles, but I don't see how yeah, he didn't have that. things buzzing on him. Now, yeah. Well, he didn't then either, but whatever. Uh, but no, Bellinger's in a slump. I mean, there are slumps throughout the game. The OPS is down. Um, yes. And I think to your point too, with this home field thing, um, you know, Correa actually was doing an interview and he talked about that. He's talked about how like now you have to schedule an appointment for your workout. You have to schedule your gym time when you get it. Um, it does change it. And I think baseball players more than any other athlete, they are creatures of habit. They ha- rec- you rely on a routine for six months to, to get through a six month season. Absolutely. You know, anything you do, I, I will tell people um, anything you do day after day after day for six months at a time, you're going to get sore. I don't care if it's swinging a golf club. I don't care if it's jogging. Uh, you know, one day you're going to wake up and your knee hurts a little bit more, especially the young or old. Either way, that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, if you're playing a game, you take a weird slide and ah, I kind of rolled my ankle a little bit on that. Well, you can't get treatment as expected the next day and be in and out of the tub or, or whatever um, with the trainers working on that ankle to make you better. You've, you've got to wing all of this on your own or schedule an appointment and show up. And when your appointment time's up, you got to go because the next guys do in. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just such a, a crazy year that, you know, we've gotten into the swing of things by now, two months in that we're watching games and we're just happy. Oh, wow. Baseball's on. Awesome. Right. We're forgetting the fact that these guys are playing more games in fewer days that, than ever before. The, yeah. the Cardinals are I realize the Cardinals got themselves in in the, sure. in the uh, position they were in with 17 missed days because of COVID. But the only day they've had off in like the last four or five weeks was the day after Labor Day. Okay, cool. You got a day off. But you had a doubleheader before your day off and you had a doubleheader, doubleheader after, after your day off. Is that yeah. really a day off? The whole thing has been weird. Like I saw a tweet that said uh, – it was, it was from one of the more respected Astros uh, bloggers and he said – you know, the Astros are, uh, are, are 26 and 26. They're going to have to really figure out what we're going to do with the trade deadline in a few months. Because in a real season, we would not – that's when you start assessing. That's not your season. Uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the playoffs are coming up, and, and it's going to be very interesting because in a lot of the matchups in uh, particularly the AL, I haven't looked very close at the NL, are going to be teams that no one's seen all year. Like it's going to be Astros twins and the Astros haven't seen the twins since May of 2019. Um, What are some things you're looking for just as sort of these at the broad strokes of some of these matchups? 
Yeah, I I, it, I think it's a very interesting subject because take the Dodgers. They haven't seen the Brewers all year, right? And the Brewers, typically, once you get the Brewers to the postseason, yeah. Craig Council gets nasty dangerous. So yeah. I, I know Chris Russo on MLB Network will have a blast if the Dodgers get knocked out in the first round in three games by the Brewers. But Dodger fans are going to be too. What are you going to blame the Astros, trash cans again, Dodgers? Well, well, the Brewers, obviously, they're, you know, trash cans in, in Milwaukee, or, or they're actually Mil- Miller Lite cans that they're banging on. Um, but but uh, things like this are going to get really dangerous because you haven't seen these teams all year. You, you're watching things on tape, but they've only played the same nine teams um Every so much. And if you look at the NL Central, the NL Central, man, nobody can hit worth a flip in the NL Central. Or is it that their pitching is so good? Yeah. Because the pitching in the NL Central is up at the top of all of the charts. The hitting is at the bottom of everything. Yeah. No no division hits worse than the NL Central. No division pitches better than the NL Central. Well, which which is which? Where's the truth? It's probably right. a little bit in both, but now we're going to find out. And in in a three game series, man, how many how many times have you seen a team go two zero up in a series and then wind up losing? You go two zero up right now, season the series is done and somebody's season done. Yeah, I, I think it get it it's it's just it's fun. It's what this year needs, if you ask me. I agree. Now you had the Rays at the beginning. Um, you, when we first made picks, you had the Rays. I think winning 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 all of it. And, um, you know, one of the things I did see that I I thought was an interesting take is that the one thing about this whole playoff series with no days off is it actually reflects the game more as it's intended to be played in the regular season. Whereas if you have these days off, you can manipulate a pitching staff much different. Like they use the example of the World Series last year. If that was seven straight games, um, the Nationals don't win because you can't actually throw Strasburg for 27 innings in that in that World Series because of the way the days off worked. Um, what do you think? The Diamondbacks now? don't win, and the Diamondbacks don't win back in the day because all they could rely on really were Johnson and Schilling. Ex- they exactly. could have done that every day. It, it takes what a sport that rewards depth and then removes the importance of that depth when you build in. Um, you know, two games and then two games off, days off. And then, you know what I mean? So yep. now we're looking at no days off during the wild card, no days off during the DS, maybe a day off in the LCS and the series, but one only. Does this help a team like Tampa Bay more than, say, a team like LA or or someone else? It helps teams that are um, that know how to manage bullpens. Sorry, Houston fans. Um, uh, but... <laughs> It helps teams that know how to manage bullpens and it helps teams that aren't fully re- reliant on those starters. That's why I think the Brewers and the Rays are really dangerous because they're they're used to putting pieces together in the late innings. You go up five nothing on the Brewers, that doesn't mean anything because if you go up five nothing on them in the first three innings, okay, fine. Then they're going to release all of the bullpen they have, and you're not going to score the next six. So yeah. you score what you can score against the Brewers in the first three, right? Um, the, the Rays are, are very similar that way. Some of these other teams are, are the same way too. And, and I think if you look at the playoffs and you look at the teams that have really excelled, it, it's the teams that um, they have managers that know how to move things and piece things together. They're youth oriented, so these guys can get out and play hard every day without the training we're talking about. Without, they're a yeah. little less sore the next days. If you don't believe me, Miami, Toronto, 
San Diego, they're all there. They're all young. Um, and, and teams that aren't specifically reliant upon that big one, two, uh, pitching staff, like you're talking about, uh, that, that, that we saw last year. I mean, the Nats are, the Nats are, are playing golf now, so they're done for the year. The teams with strong bullpens, they're, they're there. And the teams that have worked through adversity are there. Uh, if, if you get some teams healthy and on a streak, anything can happen right now. Anything can happen. And I think it's going to be a blast. Well, we're having Andy on next segment, but I do want to bring up one thing. And I really only have like a minute left. I've got class starting. <laughs> you got it. But here's, here's a question for me then. We're going to talk a little Astros then. Is it shocking to you that a general manager who came from Tampa – which to your point forward thinking how they use a bullpen that dusty is so bad. Is it just, is there no baseball ops guy telling dusty what to do or is he just doesn't listen? Dusty Baker has a history of doing what dusty Baker wants to do. And dusty Baker has a history of being told you're doing the wrong thing and him going, no, I'm not doing the right thing. Trust my gut. I'm the guy with the job. Um, he's, he's done this before. Um, you know, a, a lot of Washington nationals fans, felt like they would have they would have had titles um, had there been a different manager. Dusty's a solid guy, um, but if I'm a Houston fan and I'm going up against the Tampa Bay Rays for the ALCS, they got Kevin Cash in, in that corner and I got Dusty Baker in mind, I feel like I just brought a knife to a gunfight. Go, go Astros! A focus on H-Town Hardball. Now, as we pick up on Go Go Astros, Andy, uh, I'm going to let you know, a little spoiler alert, here is what um, Scott McIntyre said about Dusty Baker going into the playoffs with his managing of a bullpen. He said, and he quoted the movie The Untouchables, it was like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Uh, Andy, first of all, we're in the playoffs. How are you feeling? <laughs> we're in the playoffs? I don't know. I don't recognize this round because um, usually this is, at least for the past several years, this is where we get to sit home and watch the A's lose a game. Um, probably not going to be that way this year. Probably not going to. Although, I don't know. I, I think the, the White Sox are going to pose a pretty interesting challenge for Oakland, but I think Stu would say the same thing. But looking at the matchup with the Twins, with the Fighting Andrew Nelsons, as we are affectionately calling them, um, where do we have the advantage? Um, you know, I've been I've gone through this since we figured it out, and I guess we kind of figured out this is probably where the matchup was going to end up maybe Saturday, and it was confirmed on Sunday. Um, I've been over the rotation. I've been over the bullpen. I've been over the lineup. The, really, the only advantage we have at this point is that we are relatively healthy and that we have a lot of playoff experience compared to um, – the twins, uh, the twins to a man haven't gone deep in a playoffs. Um, there's a couple of exceptions in their roster. Kent Maeda being one of them who we have to face uh, on Tuesday, but um, to a man, they've all played about three or four games and, and gone on their merry way. And that's been their playoff experience. Whereas you look at people like Springer, Altuve, Bregman, Guriel, who have all been part of deep, deep playoff runs uh, over the past several years. It was obviously a very schizophrenic season for the Astros. At the beginning, the Astros were hitting everything, ironically enough, when they weren't healthy. That's the thing that I think blows my mind is even when they weren't healthy, they were still averaging either one, two, or three and run score, depending on when you looked at it, Right, couldn't pitch. Pitching gets much better. Lineup gets healthy. 
and then can't hit. What's going on with that? I think it's a consistency issue. Um, I, I don't think it's anything beyond that. I know that um, the Twitterverse is going to want to tell us for the next three days that it's all about trash cans. Uh, matter of fact, Fox Sports North has warned the Twins to watch out for garbage cans because, you know, that's a clever take. In um, They blocked me. Clever take in nearly October. Well, you probably deserved it. Yeah. Um, it it's, you know, it, it's a um, – you haven't been, you weren't healthy for a long time, as you pointed out. You're not getting consistent at bats, and you don't have your lineup um, in the order that you'd like it to be. Ever Alvarez has played a game and a half, so he was a big loss. Um, the Twins suffered from something similar, though, because the Bomba squad they had last year last year hasn't been quite as effective, and they've had a bunch of injuries, uh, minor nagging stuff, but still stuff that prevented them from putting out the lineup they've wanted to put out since July 30th. Um, the Astros are in a similar boat with um, a lot of guys underperforming, uh, having bad years. Again, small sample size, which we can get into if you want to. Um, but it ultimately comes down to it's a lack of consistency, and that consistency is driven by health. And, you know, a little bit of Dusty Baker not knowing how to manage in 2020, but that's. Well, that's definitely going to be the that that's going to be the episode we talk about, be it, you know, um, October well, really, yeah, I guess October 3rd or November 3rd. At some point, that's going to be a conversation. And But I want to ask you about two major Dusty Baker decisions going forward. One retroactive to Saturday night. Look, I think we could all make an argument, depending on what hair we want to split, as to the overall quality of pitching this year from Lance McCullers, Frommer Valdez, or Jose Urquidy. However, it seems like Valdez gets immediately removed to the very thing you talked about, experience. Arquiti had a dominant start 2019, but we all know that for as much as the Astros didn't really know it was coming in the playoffs in 2017, the Yankees did when McCullers threw 30-something straight curveballs. Right. Why was McCullers pitching Saturday and not therefore starting Wednesday? I mean, I wish I had an answer for you. I wish there was something I could point to in – you know, with a lot of managers, if you watch baseball long enough and, and are willing to listen and learn, you can figure out what they're doing. You don't have to agree with it, but you can kind of understand where they're coming from and what the rationale is. Uh, with Baker, there's no point. There was no point in pitching McCullers for four innings on Saturday night because all you've done is take away an option for Tuesday. What you have done now is we're going to start Grinky against Maeda on Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday morning, whenever we're playing, two, two o'clock in the morning on ABC somehow, because um, that's where I go for baseball. <laughs> Has and ABC ever hosted baseball? Like it's weird. Exactly. Anyway. Ever. Ever. And then you go from that to McCullers can't pitch before Wednesday, which is an if necessary game. So now you've got to choose between Arquiti and Valdez for your um second start on, on Wednesday. And I'm guessing it's probably going to be Arquiti just because Valdez has a little bit more flexibility and the twins hit right-handed pitching a little, little bit worse than they do left-handed pitching. Not dramatically so by any means, but uh, there's still something there. Um, so it just, it, it's kind of mind boggling that they chose to do that. Whoever the decision makers are, I don't pretend to think that James click is sitting around telling dusty Baker how to run a lineup or run a rotation and I don't think Brent Strom is the kind of guy who would speak up and say, look, this isn't a good idea. You're limiting yourself, Mr. I've won 1,500 games as a manager. 
So it falls down to Baker. Um, he's very literally where the buck stops on this kind of decision. And it's a really, really strange decision because all it did was limit your options for a playoff series that you were, you know, pretty sure you were going to be making on Friday, Friday night. Going back then to Dusty Baker. Um, I know that there's going to be a lot of question on the internets about why Presley's the closer. And I think the argument again, to your point is he's simply the most experienced arm out there. Now, how do you let the last taste in his mouth be giving up that home run? Look, it felt very similar to the Will Smith to the Will Harris home run in 2019. It was not a bad pitch. It wasn't a meatball over the plate. He reached down and got it, and it was out by feet. How do you not at least give him an inning Saturday or Sunday to a keep him sharp and b remind him that he can get people out? Well, I hate to keep beating this drum, but it's and to give all credit to Mr. McIntyre. Dusty doesn't manage bullpens well. It's not his thing, and it's never been his thing. He's had talent to overcome some of his decisions in the past um, with different teams, but there's a reason he has the reputation he has. Uh, Presley absolutely is a closer because there was nobody else available to be the closer. It literally, at the time Osuna went out, Presley and 10 rookies. That's who the bullpen was. Yeah. And so that was your your choice was a rookie or Ryan Presley. Absolutely makes sense. Um, Presley is also the kind of pitcher who needs to pitch two out of every three days on average. So his sinker and slider do what they need to do. Um, when he does that, he has better control. And there are a host of pitchers who pitch a little bit better when they're not tired, but used regularly. And sure. Dusty, as we have beat this drum, uh, to death, you know, if it was a horse, you'd say stop, uh, about, this guy's going to pitch five days in a row. This guy's not going to pitch for 14 days and we want results out of all of them. Well, it just doesn't work that way. And he doesn't seem to understand that. And I think it's just a, a failing that he has as a baseball person about how bullpens work. And I think it goes back to the old hitters view of pitchers. Well, they should be effective all the time. And if they're not, I win. Congratulations. Well, when you're a manager, you've got to think about it differently. And he's never proven that he can think about it differently. One of the things that I think gives me um, kind of takes me back to when he was hired and remember that all of the, well, we on this show and all of the baseball writers in Houston were like, how is this guy going to adjust to a modern front office uh, with analytics? And I cannot imagine that James right. click, well, he hasn't right. And James click who is used to managing pitching staffs in interesting ways and piecing things together. I cannot imagine he was thrilled with the way these guys were used, but to your point, you can't go tell a guy who will talk about a conversation you have with Hank Aaron, how to use a pitching staff. And I think that might be to the detriment of the club. Well, right, wrong or indifferent. Baker is a borderline hall of fame manager. Um, if he was to manage to win world series with the Astros this year or next, and I'm hoping one of those isn't an option. Uh, he's going to be a Hall of Fame manager. I mean, he, he has the wins. He has the, the the credentials to really make that argument at some point down the road. So it's difficult for a guy like Click to come in knowing that Baker was hired in front of you and tell them this is the way things need to go. At some point, Click's going to have to do that. And I'm assuming that's his, his role really starts in the offseason at this point. This season was just kind of a Let's get through it. Let's survive the scandal. Let's survive the season. Let's hope we win a lot of games and make people forget. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. 
Um, they're still in the playoffs. They still have a chance to do some stuff, but it's that window is narrowing pretty quickly. Um, I, I think it's difficult, and I think Strom is the kind of guy in the bullpen, even though he's relied on to talk to the pitchers and be the pitcher whisperer, uh, it's still not his role to tell Baker what to do or what not to do. Um, he can offer his advice, but ultimately it's Baker's call. So whether Strom is offering that advice on how a bullpen get, gets used or not, Baker has to take that advice, and Baker's got to listen to his people or choose to do his own thing. And it, whatever it's doing, it's not working. Um, we've blown 13 saves this year. Yeah. We've, been, we've been up, and I think the stat was we've had a lead in 45 of the games that we've played. In 19 of the losses, they, we had a lead. Not all yeah. of them kind of blown saves, obviously, but. Right. So would 45 and 15 look like a better record if you could hold on to leads? Even if you could only hold on to half of those, it would look like a whole, like, whole, whole different world. Like if we could have just held on to seven of those. like Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I guess, you you know, you mentioned the scandal and you mentioned that we still have a puncher's chance, I think, with, look, the, the word out of some of my friends from Minnesota are they just expect the Astros to roll in like they weren't trying for 60 days. I think you and I both know that's not the case. Um, but what – what has caused like is there anything psychological is what has caused this hitting issue like is it springer's trying to hit his way into a free agent contract is bregman trying to hit his way out of the sign stealing scandal what wh- what do you think is going on or you think it's just 2020 well i mean bregman also has a big contract to justify right um i, I i'm sure deep down inside there's some of that they're human beings they don't want to nobody wants the criticism that they've gotten this year and some of it has been beyond the pale from an outright nastiness standpoint. And I think to a man, all of them would tell you, hey, we did it, we deserve it, but it's got to wear on you. I think the bigger story is if you told me Jose Altuve started a, the opening series or opening season batting 220, what is he, 225 right now? Yeah. Uh, he batting 225, you go, okay, well, he better work that out in the next 102 games. Right. Well, he doesn't get to do that this year. And so it is truly a small sample size. And as much as luck plays a part in teams that win the World Series and have playoff runs like the Nats did last year where they got hot at just the right time, teams can go bad at the right time, too, or the wrong time, I guess, depending on your point of view. (laughs) And I think it's not much more than Springer, Bregman, Altuve all got off to ridiculously bad starts this year. And unfortunately, the start of this year is the entire year. I think there are you've got a new manager to adjust to who does not communicate the same way that Hinch communicated to them. Does he communicate at all? At all? I, I don't know. It's hard to tell behind the mask and the gloves. Uh, it, I mean, look, people could think we're being petty, but we did have a reliever who did not know he was taken out of a game and pitched another inning. That right. actually happened this year. And, and I think there's a bunch of that. I think Hinch was very good at talking people, talking to his players the way they needed to be talked to, meeting them where they lived, so to speak. Uh, because you can't talk to George Springer the same way you can talk to Alex Bregman and get the same kind of performance out of them. And Carlos Correa on top of that and his massage yeah. issues and Jose Altuve after that and his bad tattoo issues and whatever else is going on, there's a bunch of personalities and it's not one size fits all when you're a competent, good manager. Um, I don't know that Baker cares about that because he's from a different era of play where manager runs out the lineup card and you better perform or you're not going to be on it. So okay, I don't know so- how much – I don't know how much communication happens, I guess is a nice way of saying that. 
Um, so I think it's just kind of a perfect storm of guys having down years in small sample sizes and adjusting and having a scandal and having everything on top of it where it just all went to crap all at once. Having said that, all of the playoff teams are bunched within 10 games of each other. Um, the Astros do have an edge on playoff experience, I think, on everybody in the American League, with maybe the exception of the Yankees, since they got Cole and we don't have him anymore. Right. Uh, it's pretty even, whatever it is. So if there's something to be said for the experience and the pressure turning up and seeing who performs, and as Astro fans, we know what it looks like when you have a team that does not perform in the playoffs. That was the rub on Biggio and Bagwell forever. Yeah. Um, again, small sample size. Yeah, sorry for that. Uh, it just had a stroke. Should have given you a warning before that trigger. Right. A trigger warning, yeah. But okay. I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's, if we have a chance that experience has to come to bear and honestly, the Astros have nothing to lose. They're an under 500 team in a normal year. They wouldn't be in the playoffs. They wouldn't be sniffing the playoffs. Sure. Um, I, you know, I, as I said yesterday, the Astros and the Brewers shouldn't be in the playoffs because they're a sub 500. This isn't the NBA, but because of what this is this year, they're in, they have a chance. They're playing the number three seed because of Major League Baseball's really wacky seeding in the playoffs. I mean, we'll, they should be playing the Rays, right? But we'll take it because the Rays we'll – take that it because I don't want to play the Rays. I don't want I three games and – stumble over something well before we ever have to see them. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't want to play in abandoned Costco field. Before we get to the results, I do want to point out, before your, your estimation, I mean, but, you know, I think to your point, Altuve struggled, Bregman struggled, Springer struggled. Uh, but so is Cody Bellinger, and so is Christian Yelich, uh, struggling all over the league. There's just not some twerp with a Twitter account in Chicago deciding to make it some kind of moral um, mission, I guess, to to point out the fact that the Astros have struggled. Well, you know, as soon as he changes over to whatever sports brand he's trying to create and drag those 400,000 – Drag those four hundred thousand listeners or viewers with him. Um, all the all of three hundred of which actually like his stuff. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, oh but let's yeah, look I mean, at the, let's look at what you think though. How do you think this is going? I, I think the if the Astros can somehow beat Maeda, they win the series in three. If Maeda shuts them down and they don't win Tuesday, they won't win Wednesday. Uh, and I think that's that experience is going to come to bear more in a game one and a game three. Mm. Um, game one, just dealing with this playoffs, things amp up a little bit. Game three is where the um, sphincters tighten a little bit. That's an elimination game. Yeah. And you got to think that the twins absolutely know what it feels like to be eliminated, having lost 13 playoff series or 13 playoff games in a row. Right. Uh, where the Astros have had some success over the last three, four years. All right, last question then. If the Astros lose or when they lose, I don't. I, I didn't pick them to win the World Series at the beginning of the season. So, right. um, you know, I was just being I, – I bought the Yankee hype with that. But how long do I stay off Twitter after they lose? Um, I would give you – I would give it 15 days because you need to get to the – you need to get through this uh, – the, the championship series before people are going to stop picking. And now, Before the Deuce. All right, so we are jumping on here, on to Before the Deuce, as he gets his camera set up. Uh, we're joining with Scotty from Before the Pitch. And listen, before we jump into this, this is the other account you need to follow through these playoffs. You need to be following Before the Pitch. 
Um, especially if you want a little bit different, not my old man on my yard taking all of this. But Scotty, first of all, how's it going, man? How are you guys doing up there? We are doing fantastic. We have just uh, taken our first steps into fall, which means uh, Yankees baseball on the regular. Also means New England Patriots football. It also means white girls in Han Solo outfits injecting the uh, pumpkin spice into their veins. I may or may not be one of those white girls. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you call it Han Solo season because... It's hot and I'm jealous that I can't pull it off. It's it's really it's a it's a mixture of, of combinations. Um, it is October. It's baseball and the Astros and Yankees are barreling for the ALCS, just like we thought. What what, what a year is, it, is this? OK, here's 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 the thing. And I'm almost I'm almost happy that it, that it worked out this way. And the reason why is because at the beginning of the season, everyone was complaining. Oh, yeah. Expanded playoffs are stupid. And I've been saying it's stupid until your team just barely makes it because of that eighth playoff seat. And yet here we are. Yeah. And yeah, here we are. All of a sudden, yeah. everyone is is zero and zero. And it's a brand new beginning. Brand new beginning. I do want to go through the playoff bracket for this first wild card round. And I want to do it um, a little bit different. I want to, I want to start in the NL because I want to get to where you and I become homers <laughs> as late <laughs> as possible. So I actually think we have some really interesting matchups um, and I want to go ahead and start with, I don't know, let's first for, for grins and grins. Let's start at the Marlins and the Chicago Cubs. Now first, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the Marlins, every time they make the playoffs, don't they win the World Series? Is that pretty much the how The Marlins have not won a postseason series yet in their entire franchise. So here's the thing. You're stuck with this conflict uh, of logic says the Marlins will, will just fade into obscurity. Logic also says that was supposed to happen a while ago. But this is 2020, and yeah. the Marlins have a habit of accidentally stumbling upon world championships. Because they've never and won a division. They've obviously won a postseason series, but they've never won their division. I don't think they ever have. I don't think they ever have. They've only made the playoffs twice, and both those times they were wild cards and in one series both those times. Okay. And, and here's here's where it gets super spooky. When you look at this whole thing, these are, for the most part, with the exception of – Tampa Bay and Toronto. These are all teams who have never played each other all year. And Miami, Miami's strength has been that they're pitching and the element of surprise. And I think that's why they were so successful because yeah. there's no scouting reports on these people, but they have the scouting reports in there. But it's the element of surprise of what, what did we expect from these people? I think they were underestimated this whole time. And, and I think this is sort of some of all these parts that kind of uh, contribute to this whole thing. Um, and and baseball spooky. And last time the Marlins faced the Cubs in the playoffs, some spooky stuff happened. So, so it, it's my here's the thing: if the Yankees don't win the World Series, I would love to see the Marlins win it because their connection with the Yankees, and I just want to see something batshit off the wall happen. And if you're going to have an off the wall team, it's got to be one of the ones most affected by COVID to win the World Series in 2020. Yeah, or or, or you, you could you could say you, you could do Oakland is a team with a. a a fighting chance for the reason of the forest fires and stuff and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah, true. That's yeah. true. We all, and you know, we in Houston know that how that goes. So you're going to take the Miami coming out of the wild card then over yeah, Chicago. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say for the first round, I'm going to take Miami over Chicago. All right. Here's where uh, things get interesting because some, some of my borrowed loyalty buys into this next series that I'm going to ask about. And that is the St. Louis Cardinals 
who, as you know, Scott McIntyre, big part of this show, mm-hmm. cut him open and he bleeds Cardinal, I guess, red. That's dumb. Anyway, yeah. um, but against the against the fight in San Diego Padres, man, what do you think about this series? Um, I I oh, I know Billy's pick for this um, would be anyone but St. Louis. Billy absolutely <laughs> hates the Cardinals. And I don't even know why he just does. <laughs> um, um, but Billy, me and Billy were talking last night. We were, we were discussing San Diego. And the trick is um, San Diego, uh, their pitching doesn't seem to be uh, as, as concrete as it once was maybe earlier. Yeah. So at what point does that play a factor? Especially with Mike Clevenger having whatever's wrong with, with his elbow. Um <sighs> I, I'm gonna go with, uh, but San, San Diego hits the ball though. So, so Man. San Diego does hit the ball, and, and so I, I got so, so so tricky because like like I haven't even seen half these teams all year, and they don't play each other. So we no, can't that's even, like, the truth. That is the hardest part about all of this. We 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 can't even like like say, oh, here's what happened last time. It, it, it's brand yeah. new. Um, San Diego's got a chip on their shoulder, and they're having fun. I think the, the Cardinals remind me of the Yankees in the sense that the, they kind of go into the playoffs every year and they get a pit in their stomach because there's such an expectation for something. Yeah. And they just get overly nervous. And then I look at San Diego, who has absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. I think that will have um, uh, a better effect on their mental health and their attitudes. And I, I think they will they will um, take over St. Uh, St. Louis. All right. Slam Diego takes it out of there. Okay. Uh, this one's interesting because um, – we're going to go ahead and jump now to Milwaukee at Los Angeles. Is this even next? Is that what this is? It should be. But if I were to pick one upset in the entire bracket, it would be this just because why not? I well, want to see what? something. I want to see something crazy happen. I want to see something absolutely bonkers happen. Yeah. And the law of averages say, say that eventually the Dodgers have to win the world series. I think the law of averages say that. Um, uh, but it seems like every year they just keep getting close. The, the closer they get, the further they get away. And, and what, what the, the only problem with that is, is people are already um, uh, contemplating the legitimacy of the season. I say it's only illegitimate to the 29 teams who don't win the World Series. I agree. Um, I, I do think that if Milwaukee were to beat the Dodgers, as much as I would love that for the entertainment factor, I think that would kill a lot of people's uh, view of, of this whole uh, playoff thing. Because clearly, clearly, the the, the Dodgers should not be losing uh, to the Brewers. Uh, but if they did, if that was the comeback that was made and that was the underdog that kind of happened, I think a lot of people would look at this whole uh, um, uh, playoffs in a, in a much more negative light and much more of a skepticism. Um, and they would somehow the find a way to blame Houston. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. I was talking with Andy on the segment before you. So you're talking about how like some of the, the the player hatred has been a little overwhelmed. And we were talking about Carlos Correa and Mookie Betts joking around when Mookie hit a double. And I was like, you kidding me? They weren't joking around. They were laughing about how they both stole a World Series from Los Angeles. What are you talking about? <laughs> they have a lot in common. I kid, I kid. Uh, here's, what's an, here's an interesting ball club, too. And it's one that I find myself loving and hating. And that is the Cincinnati Reds going up against Atlanta. I love everything about Joey Votto and what he brings to baseball. And I hate everything about Trevor Bauer. So I'm very like what to do about this but what do you how do you what do you feel about the bravos in cincinnati the so the 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 reds are do you call them the bravos (laughs) 
the, the yeah they do that sometimes i've heard okay i, it's I, like, it. I, like, I like it i like it all right um Cincinnati, mine is Trevor Bowers. Cincinnati comes off as the nice guys of baseball, especially yeah. with Joey Votto. Did you see that that segue he just did where he's talking about uh, the shirt he was wearing the on Sunday? Crew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, I that's think I cool. retweeted your tweet about it. I loved everything yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, part of me looks at that, like, I, I, I want the Reds to make a run just, just for his sake. Yeah. Um, for, for, for doing that. And they, they deserve that. Um, I, as hot as they're getting, you might one might say they're getting red hot. I, I don't think they have enough to uh, uh, take over Atlanta. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't I, either. I, um, I, I just see Atlanta beating beating the snot out of the baseball, and uh, you, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Now back to now over to the AL. We'll 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 skip the last two series that I know we want to talk about, but let's talk about. You know, one of the teams that I've really fallen in love with, I'm calling them the Fighting Cavan Biggios, the Toronto Blue Jays, who feel feel a little almost like the Padres light, right? Like they're not as good as San Diego, but there's some of that same energy. Uh, going against Tampa Bay, who I think Tampa Bay's use of pitching and the way that the way Kevin Cash manages is actually perfectly lined up for the way these playoffs are going to shake out. Thoughts on so, that? Yeah, so, so – Here's the thing with Toronto is uh, the, the, this was kind of like a, a couple of years in the making that I, I remember calling at the beginning of the season. I'm like, ah, don't don't brush Toronto under, under the rug too too quickly, uh, because every, every year it seems like they're slowly and slowly just kind of creeping up uh, in the in the AL East. And this could be the year where they really surprise everyone with beating Tampa Bay. Um, I do not want to face either of them if that comes to that, because the Yankees have have really struggled against both of them this year. Um so I do not see as good as Toronto can hit. I do not see them um, beating Tampa at all, just because here's the thing: T- Tampa can just they, they can beat you everywhere. That they can out hit you. Yeah. That they can out hit you and they can out pitch you. Um, which is why I think it's weird that Yankee, I got to call it Yankees Twitter for a sec. Everyone was like, was like crossing their fingers that we wouldn't have to face Tampa in the first round. Now we have to face Cleveland, which we'll get to in a second. They're like, oh, I wish I was facing Tampa. No, you don't. You don't no, you wish don't. you were facing Tampa. Um, no, no one wants to face Tampa. And my, my, my best hope for this is, is if the Yankees can somehow pull off a win, Toronto upsets them. I would feel better about facing Toronto than I would in Tampa because the Yankees at least beat the snot out of Toronto. But um, I, I do not see t- Toronto at, at all overcoming uh, the race, no. especially when this is the only matchup where it looks like teams in the same division who play each other all year. And Tampa knows exactly how to beat Toronto because they've been doing it all year. And I think beating in that abandoned, playing them in that abandoned Costco definitely uh, plays into Tampa Bay's advantage. And again, two great frontline starters and then probably the best bullpen and the best bullpen usage in the game. Um, but remember, we talk about that turf. Toronto plays on turf also even turf this year, most of those players were still on the uh, Toronto teams from previous years yeah. who were used to playing on turf. So, so I just mean, I just mean the way that building sucks your will to live when you walk into it. It's like, where's the large bags of toilet paper? Oh, I forgot I'm in a ballpark. Excuse me. Um, uh, we're going to talk about one of one of baseball's most exciting teams. And then, uh, you know, playing a team that, uh, that even Stu Clary, our big A's guy would admit is limping into the playoffs a little bit. That's the Chicago White Sox going into Oakland. Um, I think Oakland's the kind of the easy front runner for this one. Um, and that's no, that's nothing, uh, I, I get Chicago. I think I remember at the beginning of this year, um, we, we saw in the uh, off season, they were, they were slowly making their little moves. I thought they were going to wind up with Zach Wheeler. I really did. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that would have, would have helped quite a bit. Um, Chicago can throw the baseball. 
they can really, really throw the baseball. They already have the, uh, the no hitter on the year um, on top of the, some dude who I guess just came out of high school who they drafted like in June is throwing like a hundred plus miles an hour. Yeah. The dude looks like a giant stick of spaghetti. He's so lengthy and thin. Um, and that dude throws flamethrowers. Um, and Chicago has a balanced lineup, which is a cool thing. And it, it's almost unfortunate that I think o- that they have to face Oakland. I think Oakland's going to put put a stop to that excitement. It's almost unfortunate because I think the, the White Sox, especially White Sox fans, deserve a little bit more of a run than they're going to wind up getting, which is unfortunate for them. I actually I actually have White the Chicago in this matchup. I think the, the, the loss of Matt Chapman for Oakland takes whatever little offense they had left. And I think – you know, I think it's much like playing Tampa Bay. If you're going to win, you get to score early because you get that bullpen and there's no – it's, again, it's a vice grip. But they also got slapped around by about by Seattle this weekend, so who knows? Okay, now they we're really going to get well. to my squad. Uh, tell me how quickly I'm depressed. Uh, this will be the Houston Astros versus the, the Minnesota Twins. And i got to be honest, I'm sure on paper I probably should have rooted for, for the Oakland matchup to the point I made earlier. I'm just glad to see another uniform. I'm going to be honest. I'm glad. We like, 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 yeah, not, not look at Oakland just to see somebody different that we haven't seen all year. But what do you think? What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, for for uh, Houston and Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm really happy I didn't have to face Minnesota, and the reason why is because again we're going back to law of averages. The Yankees have been spanking them. Yeah. The, and eventually, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Eventually, we're, we're not going to beat them. So a lot of people say, oh, I hope we play Minnesota. We always beat them. Well, last year doesn't affect this year. Sorry, guys. Um, I'm glad I don't have to face them. Um, and I believe oh, so they're they're going to Houston. Or no, no, we're they, there. OK, we're, we're in okay. target field for three games and it's going to be 30 degrees. <laughs> yeah, I. I uh, the, the, ooh, the, that, Do I need to make plans for Thursday? Or I, here's the thing: I would not be surprised if, if, if Houston if Houston wins that. I wouldn't. I, I would not be surprised because Houston hits the baseball. Yeah, I mean, I get they have that that ability. I, I I'm taking Minnesota in three. Um, now I do have a cool bet with Andrew Nelson. I get to buy one of those really fire powder blues. So maybe that's why right, I'm cool. kind of cool. Cool. looking forward. All right. Last but not least, man, um, I think probably the marquee matchup of the AL playoffs really and truly uh, that New York lineup versus that Cleveland pitching staff. What do you think? Um, I would have to flip a coin to tell you because I don't know which Yankees team is going to show up. I really don't. I, I have no idea which Yankee team is going to show up. Is it going to be the one that completely embarrassed the Blue Jays and other teams for 10 games where they were like outscoring them like a grand total of like freaking like 50 something yeah. to like or, or, or is this going to be the, the one that can't even uh, move a runner over and I have no idea and the scary part is that's the same ratting order it's the same batting order that, that does both of these things yeah and I genuinely have no idea now I think any Yankee fan who's completely flipping out over this is not concerned the fact that the alternative was Tampa Bay I do not understand. It's like, oh my God, we're playing the Indians. Would you rather play Tampa Bay? Oh, but Shane Bieber. They have three Shane Biebers and a bullpen full of Shane Biebers. Yeah. At no, least you're I, right. could stick, I could stick Shane Bieber up against Garrett Cole, and it's and we're, we're, we're going to have a ball game. Yeah. We're going to have a ball game. And that's going to be a low scoring ball game, but it's going to be a ball game. And it's going to come down to can the Yankees 
move people over and can they make stuff happen? Uh, Buck Showalter was talking about how the, the key is to drive up the pitch count and get him out before the sixth inning so you can get to Cleveland's bullpen. And Absolutely. after that, I think that the, uh, the Yankees would have the advantage of game two because Tanaka, as we just saw, has the lowest ERA of any starting pitcher who started at least 10 postseason games or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Um, and I will take Tanaka in game two over, I think, Carrasco. Um, but that first one's going to be tough. But here's the thing. We, we are paying Garrett Cole the money that we're paying him to win this kind of game sure. specifically. And uh, I do trust Garrett Cole can hang with him. Big question is, is your offense going to show up? Yes or no? Um, I'm going to pick B. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm there. The Yankees could completely blow through this and, and get to the World Series without losing a game. They could also lose the whole thing in two games. And I genuinely have no idea which one's going to be. All I know is whatever it's going to be, it's either going to be it's either going to be massively big or embarrassingly low. This just in news from minor league baseball. And we do have some breaking news today that. God damn it, Jim, you're such an idiot. And we do have some breaking news today that deals with. And we do have some breaking news today that deals with. And we do have some breaking news today that deals with the MLB, MILB, the crap. And we do have some breaking news today that deals with the negotiations between minor league baseball and the MLB as far as contraction goes and all that stuff. Now, part of the promise that MLB had made was that even if it took teams out of regions, those regions would still have high quality, high level baseball. And look, count me as someone who was extremely skeptical that they would actually do that. I figured it would be one of those handshake promises and much like what happened with Johnny and the Cobra Kai Dojo, those handshakes just get forgotten. Well, there is a bit of news, according to Baseball America, that the Appalachian League will not be affiliated minor league baseball next year and in fact will be collegiate summer league. Uh, There's two things to unpack. Really, there's a lot more to unpack on how this affects the ecosystem of Collegiate Summer League. Will they now become better as far as talent goes than Cape Cod? Who knows? And and that's something that we will dive into going forward. But look, I'm trying to stay positive today, stay in a good mood, and I'll say two things about that. One, it at least appears that Major League Baseball is going to at least try to keep some of that promise. Uh, That's 10 teams that will no longer have an affiliation, but at least will have very high level baseball. And to the people in those communities who feel like all of a sudden their baseball got crappier, I understand why you feel this way. I understand the appeal and the allure of having a prospect. Trust me, with someone who has really started to experience this level of baseball over the last year, year and a half, It's great baseball. You're going to have a blast. And so while this news might have been initially distressing, while it might have been something that won't come across as something very positive, I think that you're going to end up liking where it ends up. to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher.
So that does wrap up this episode of Let's Get To. And before we jump out, this is my current outfit. Uh, this is not a Houston Astros sweatshirt at all. It is the Houston Buffaloes, which was a minor league team in the Texas League, mostly double-A, some triple-A for both the Cardinals and for the Cubs a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I really like the sweatshirt. And then I'm pairing it with the Astros spring training hat, which, man, is one of my favorite Astros hats, period, from this year. So I have the oldest and the newest uh, to take us forward. But look, playoffs will be starting on uh, Tuesday morning, tomorrow. I hope everybody has a great playoff experience if your teams are still in it. If, if your teams aren't, you know, at least you're going to get a good draft pick and you have an opportunity to move forward. But for those 16 teams that are still in this, uh, this Hunger Games of baseball, may the playoff odds forever be in your favor. And let's get to...